Next week, we'll begin Holy Week with Palm Sunday, as, as they shared during the announcements, and we'll uh, celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But first, today, we need to lay the groundwork. We need to chart the path to Jerusalem, that we might better understand the complexity and the beauty of what God will do in Christ's passion, his arrest, his death, resurrection, dawning the age of a new covenant and new relationship with God. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 31st chapter of the prophet Jeremiah, beginning with the 31st verse. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every good story has a point of darkness, a time when the hopes and dreams of the main characters are at an ultimate low. They're at a loss as to where they should turn. In the C.S. Lewis classic, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the death of Aslan marks this point where the citizens of Narnia feel abandoned, their hope for life free of the tyrannical rule of the White Witch. In the more recent Harry Potter series, Dumbledore's death marks this point, as the wizarding community feels the dark rule of Voldemort at its strongest. It's at this moment in a story when the good guys, whoever they happen to be, are in such a dark place they almost feel betrayed, as if some unwritten promise was broken. Rather, they, not betrayed by any person, but rather they seem to feel betrayed by hope itself and, all, and betrayed by all that is good. The second lesson from the prophet Jeremiah portrays such a time in the life of Judah. Jeremiah's prophecy was sometime after the year 587 BCE. And what's going on at this point? The Babylonians have just destroyed Jerusalem. They've leveled the temple that Solomon built. As part of conquering Judah, the Babylonians have also dethroned King Zedekiah, the king of the same monarchy of Saul and David, the monarch appointed by God to rule God's people. Now the two things that reminded them of God's presence and faithfulness to this covenant, the temple and the king, were both no more. So what's a covenant? It's basically a churchy word for promise. 
particularly a promise that God makes with us. And it goes back to the days of Abraham when God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. This covenant has God's role, I will be your God, and Israel's, you will be my people. So to return to our story, the temple has been destroyed, the very place of the Ark of the Covenant. And the king has been dethroned, the divinely chosen leader of God's people. So the two tangible ways people understood God's faithfulness and God's presence with them have both been destroyed. And so a period of darkness begins. This dark time begins what Old Testament scholars call the Babylonian exile. The result of this time is, at best, people are questioning God's faithfulness, and at worst, they're questioning whether God is there altogether. And while we may not be in the kind of political exile experienced by Jeremiah and the people of Judah, this past year of living through a global pandemic has often felt like a time of exile, hasn't it? For so long, we've been displaced from moments and places that we hold sacred, from church to family gatherings to school. Hey, some of you might even miss going to the office at this point. While we know that God is not limited to a place or to a sanctuary, it is a place where we expect to meet God and be together in community. So it has been truly difficult not being able to gather all together as a community as we normally would. And now we as a community are broken up and meeting in different ways. Those of you who are here worshiping with us inside, we have folks worshiping with us online. And later we'll worship with uh, more of our community outside as well. It still feels like a different time. Like the people of Judah, we long to be reminded of God's presence and faithfulness to the covenant in this very moment. But to return to our story and reading, Jeremiah is given a particular task as a prophet. In this dark time, the prophet shares with the people of God, he shares with God's people the story of God's faithfulness to the covenant. The same covenant as before, I will be your God, you will be my people. Jeremiah reminds them of God's deliverance of their ancestors from Egypt. And also the strong reminder and challenge from a prophet that it wasn't God who failed, but the people. The people erred in their ways and have grown further away from God, but God's faithfulness remains true. In fact, the good news here is that God is reaching out in a new way. God's covenant will no longer be known through its writing on stone or placement in buildings, but rather God will write this covenant on the very hearts of God's people. In other words, the covenant, God's faithfulness to God's people, will not be realized by seeing a building, but rather on the community's understanding of who God is and where God is within of God's past actions of faithfulness to their ancestors, of God's current actions of delivering them from exile, of the faithfulness that God will continue to show to the generations that will follow them. What Jeremiah's prophecy reminds us, friends, is that we believe in a God who makes covenants 
and keeps covenants with God's people. When things fall apart, this God will continue making covenants with people in new ways, finding new ways to reach us in ways that are fitting for the particular time and place we find ourselves. But the essence of the covenant remains the same. I will be your God, you will be my people. This covenant, of course, will be seen most clearly in the sending of God's own Son, God's eternal word made flesh, Jesus Christ, into the world to teach, to heal, to ultimately die and rise again, breaking the bonds of death for us once and for all, and making possible a new relationship with God through Christ. What Jeremiah's prophecy shows, friends, is that God is faithful to us. God is faithful to this covenant even when times seem at their darkest point. No matter how far we fall away from God or how different things might feel, we trust that God will continue to reach out to us in new ways. What this also shows us, friends, is that we are a covenant people. God has made a covenant with us, written it on our very hearts, so we make a covenant with God and each other in the church. In the church, we covenant with one another to show up uh, physically, but we've also learned how to show up this past year in different ways. We learned what it means to show up for one another in fellowship and prayer. When we celebrate the sacrament of baptism, we show up for one another. We, we embark in covenant making with one another as we promise as a community to support and teach that child, that, that baptized person in the faith. We make a pledge with our congregation each year when we um, make a pledge for our giving during stewardship season. We make covenants with one another in, in many different ways. Dean of, of Union Seminary, Ken McFadden, who is one of my, my um, professors, uh, does a lot of congregational consulting. And he told me uh, a while back about an experience he had um, years ago before COVID uh, with an aging congregation who bemoaned the losses of the glory days of their congregation. A little ways into his time with them, he asked them point blank, are the best days of this congregation behind us? Their heads went down, no one said a word. He responds, well, y'all are paying me good money to be here, so if you really think your best days are behind you, I can save you all a lot of time and money, and we can all go back home to our families. Still, they said nothing. Then he asked the same question in a different way are God's best days in the past. This changed the entire conversation. As people of the covenant, we trust that God's days are still ahead. As people of the covenant, we trust that God is not done with us yet. If all we want is for things to get back to the way they used to be, then we may very well miss the new things God is doing in our midst and how God is calling us to stand up and show up and participate. 
It's one thing to grieve the former days of, of one's congregation, and trust me, I miss the pre-COVID times as much as, as you all do. But if that grief for what has passed paralyzes us from seeing the new ways God is reaching out to us, the new way God is bringing us together in covenant, then we're not holding up our end of it either. So friends, as we continue on our Lenten journey toward Jerusalem, may we remember that we trust in a God who makes covenants with us. May we remember that God is faithful even in times when we're not. May we remember that God is not done with us yet. Let's commit anew to being God's covenant people. And may we commit anew to the covenants we make with one another in this congregation and in the, the wider community. Let's find ways to show up for one another in love and support each other in our collective ministries here at WPC and beyond. To God be all glory now and forever. Amen.